19. And we're gathered with the sages at Naimasharanya, who in the beginning had a taste for hearing about the processes in the Vedas and the Puranas through which one could become elevated in this world. Of course, we know that there was a switchover of speakers at Naimasharya because the, the first speaker, Romaharshan, was unqualified. He had not given respect to Balaram when he entered the assembly. Of course, we know Balaram was on pilgrimage because he didn't want to participate in the Krukshetra War. Sometimes there are events that come up where there's a polemic during which devotees don't want to be involved. And so the solution to that is to go on Padayatra. <laughs> and I've seen it sometimes when there are intractable situations. Some of my godbrothers have gone on Padayatra for some time. Or if somebody seems to be having a hard time in life and just can't figure things out, you just go out on Padayatra. Vidura did it. Balaram did it. Vidura didn't like the way things were going. There was an obvious war coming up. Duryodhana was so bent on cheating the Pandavas, and so unreasonable. Uh, he became angry and chastised Vidura right in front of his whole family in his own house, called him an unworthy son, uh, said, you're not qualified to even speak. Who do you think you are? We know how political things can get, right? Nowadays, things are very political. So what's, what is, what's one solution? Go on pilgrimage. Just go to the holy places. If there you don't get news. There's very little news. Every once in a while you see an old man sitting on a bench with a newspaper. But you don't you know, hear about it so much. You're not tuned into the mainstream. And you don't have to be. You can uh, tune into the spiritual world. And that's what Balaram did. He, he was friends with both sides. In fact, he had taught Duryodhana how to fight with the club. He had some camaraderie with him, and he, you know, when you don't, he didn't know exactly how to reconcile the whole thing, he'd just walk away, go on pilgrimage. Of course, wherever Balaram goes is eventful because he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everything he looks upon is blessed and refined and corrected, and so is the situation in Naimasarnya that an unqualified person, although he was highly qualified as far as knowing the Shastras go. He knew everything. He had learned all of the, the Puranas, the histories. He knew all the shlokas perfectly, but he didn't understand the essence of them. So when Balaram came walking into the uh, assembly of sages there at Naimasharnya, everyone stood up except Romaharshan. He was sitting on his seat. Normally, that's uh, acceptable except for when the Supreme Personality of Godhead or when guru, one's guru comes into the assembly. That happened to Indra also. Indra was sitting on his throne and he was being worshipped by all the demigods and rightly so, he's the king of heaven. But then his guru, Brihaspati, came in and he just sat there. He didn't move. 
if you don't stand up when a superior person comes in, your life heirs move up when a superior person comes. If you don't stand up to meet the life heirs, then they'll be disturbed. And of course, Brihaspati noticed right away. It's very subtle, but there's a sense of breach of etiquette. And Brihaspati just turned around and walked away and disappeared. And then Indra thought, uh-oh, what did I do? I disrespected my guru, so he got down from his throne, he ran out, looked, Brihaspati was gone, and that then started the troubles for Indra. And troubles started for Romaharshan as well, because he sat there when Balaram walked into the assembly. And then Balaram remembered that this person actually is from a, a kind of questionable marriage. It was a pratiloma marriage. And he wouldn't have noticed that if he had stood up. See, all things can be reconciled <laughs> if you just surrender and uh, follow the etiquette. So Balaram, uh, being the uh, guru, the, some, the, the, he's, he's the one who teaches the way to approach Krishna, could understand that the unqualified person was here, and not because he didn't know the thing. He had passed his Bhakti Shastri test. But he, he didn't have the spirit of it. He didn't know the conclusion of it, which was to s surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So uh, he eliminated him. And by his mystical potency, he picked up a kusha straw, which was abundantly available because they're used uh, in the uh, pujas, and the sages would sit on kusha. It's sattvagun. And he just tapped him, and then the Rumaharshan left his body. It left some cause for constant. It was a cause of consternation to the sages because they had already blessed him with a long life. So they said, Balaramji, we understand you're the Supreme Personality of God, but we've given our word and the, the words of the Brahmanas should not go in vain. So, uh, then they remembered a verse that if the a son is uh, elevated to the seat, he can take the place of the father. The son represents the father. There's no difference in that sense. So Sutta Goswami, who had learned everything and was also in the proper mood, was elevated to the seat of esteem. That's why we have Sutta Goswami speaking at Naimasharanya. And what was the mood? What, how did they describe Sutta Goswami now that they gave him the, the seat of respect where he would be teaching others? They said that because you know uh, the the truth of the Vedas, having surrendered to all your gurus. What is the verse? Uh-huh. Yeah. Veta tam saumya tat sarvam tatvatas tadanugrahat He's a guhyamaputa. You know all the secrets of the Vedas. You know the very purpose of the Vedas. Why? Vetatam saumya tatsarvam. Saumya means that you're a very gentle soul. means that you're uh, submissive. You're open. You're not uh, sitting with uh, the assembly of devotees in order to uh, prove yourself or you're not sitting with your guru just to extract knowledge so that you can go out and do a Bhagavad Saptaha and make a living, or 
be a big shot. Soumya means gentle, gentle heart. Vetatom saumya tatsarvam tatvatasta nanugrahat. And therefore, anugraha means uh, mercy. Graha means a grabber, and anu means to follow. So anugraha means when you're submissive to the spiritual authority, then anugraha, then they're able to grab you and pull you along in the right way. <laughs> anugraha. Bruyus nigdasya shishasya guruvam. He mentions guruvam. There are many gurus you've taken advantage uh, to listen to them in a in submissive spirit. Therefore, you know uh, the truth, the, all the secrets, and you can impart them to us. Building a car. So um, th now uh, we have uh, Sutta Goswami seated amongst the sages. Perfect situation because those who are eager to hear lined up with somebody who is qualified to speak is the perfect situation because if you've ever had this experience when you're giving class somewhere and then somebody comes in who's not that interested, um, like uh, let's just say you're on Zoom and then somebody opens the Zoom window and they're eating breakfast you know, during a, 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 a topic that is a little bit uh, sensitive and you know, they're like, or just somebody who, you know, who's questioning or has, they're disturbed in mind and they come in and just like if somebody eats, uh, you know, a garlic pizza and then walks into Mangalartik, everyone turns around and goes, all right, who ate garlic? Because it emanates from the pores. So there's a, there's a way in which those who are uh, sincere and serious about spiritual life, you, you can feel it. And especially those who are speaking about Krishna, they know in, in the assembly who's serious. That's why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for one year had closed sessions in Sri Vasangam. He wanted only the most intimate devotees there. Yeah. Nobody else was invited to come in. No one else was invited to come in to Sri Vasangam because the, uh, the mood would be disturbed. In fact, Sri Vasthakur's mother-in-law had thought, you know, let me see, I just want to see the, the dancing and I want to experience it. So she hid behind a basket and then it started and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I, something, I'm not feeling the ananda I usually feel. So something's going, no, no, nothing, nothing, and started again, no, no, I'm not getting in the ananda. Some impure person, they looked around, there was Sri Vastakur's mother-in-law said, okay, you have to go out. And another time, uh, Sri Vastakur, in a well-meaning way, had invited a brahmachari in because he met him and he said, oh, he's very austere, he's a brahmachari, and he only drinks milk. So he said, you can come, you know, what's wrong with this? But to prove a point, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu again stopped the kirtan, said, I'm not getting the usual nanda, who's here? Some extra person here, outsider. And nobody, nobody, just this brahmachari, he only drinks milk. Out! <laughs> Otherwise, all the babies in the world would be qualified to come into. So then, of course, going out, he, in his mind, the, the brahmachari thought, at least I saw it. I was there. I, I was benefited by seeing Mahaprabhu. And he, he appreciated being chastised. And Mahaprabhu then blessed him. Uh, so there's, there's a proper mood uh, that has to be created for 
the spiritual transmission to take place. So we can appreciate here at Naimasharanya how this is happening. There's nothing more energizing than being in a, a place that's designated for hearing Krishna Kata. And then the qualified audience is there and the qualified speaker is there and the transmission is taking place. Then there's a sense that Krishna is present. Uh, Vasudeva Kata Prashna Purusham's Chin Punati Hi Vaktaram Prachakam Shrotrim's the Tatpara Salilamyata. This is mentioned by Parikshit Maharaj. When he sits down to listen to Shukadev Goswami, and he's, he's remarking that this is amazing that um, I'm uh, listening. But naishati dushahasun mam takto damapi padate pibantam tam mukam bhuja chutam harikatam ritam. I'm not drinking water. I'm also not sleeping. And I don't feel tired. And I also am not thirsty. That's amazing because you know, everyone in this world, except for those who have crossed over into the realm of taste for spiritual uh, uh, topics is afflicted by uh, sleep and also by thirst and hunger. It's a very difficult fast day. It's like, why are we doing this? Like, when do I get to eat? Uh, but he was saying, this is remarkable. Normally, uh, you know, I would be affected because it's very difficult being in this body. It's very inconvenient, in case you haven't noticed. And uh, not the least of which is the pain of hunger. It's actually a pain and the pain of thirst, and the pain of sleeping. I remember one time I went to visit a godbrother of mine way up in Northern California, and uh, he was on a totally different time schedule than me because he wasn't doing a lot of sadhana. And so, you know, we got there and we talked until like 12.30, 1 o'clock at night, which was their regular bedtime, and I took rest, and I was like, I have to get up before the sun. I mean, I can't sleep past, I, you know, so I got whatever hours I could, and I woke up, did my japa before they woke up at you know nine or ten, and or later I don't remember. But then I remember we're driving around. He's driving me around to show me things in, in the in the area, and all I could think of is like I got to take rest. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It, it's it was torture, actual torture to try to be engaged and talk and be you know look at stuff. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> but. But Parikshit Maharaj said, this is amazing. I'm not tired. And I'm also not thirsty. And I'm not hungry. Why? Chutam harikatamritam. Because he said, I'm drinking nectar. I'm drinking nectar that's coming from your lips. This is what taste means. That I overcome the five obstacles to steadiness. One of them is sleep. And the other one is distraction. And another one is just being in that state of mind where you don't care about anything. Have you ever been there? You don't care about anything. You just want to zone out. Yeah. It's like, it's too much. The world's too much. I can't relate to it anymore. It's like, I have too many responsibilities. So, <laughs> and, and there's that. And then there's a way in which we have innate uh, memories 
they're actual dormant memories that become re-stimulated by your environment. I had this experience last night. It was a very, it was a visceral experience. I was, uh, I took my evening walk last night and I had my uh, ear pods in because I was finished with all my other stuff. I didn't have any chanting, anything like that to do. So I was listening to a lecture. I was walking along and I got through Washington Park halfway and I noticed there was some music coming from the park. And as I got closer, I saw in the, in the open field, it's a base, there's two baseball fields and you know, open area. Uh, the city had arranged apparently a big concert and there was a, a band and it was, um, it was kind of modern music. And um, as I walked by, I recognized the song through the, I even turned on, I have the kind of ear pods where you can turn out the outside world, you know, you bing, and then it goes like, it's not like nothing comes in, but a lot of the ambient sound is reduced. It's noise canceling. So I had that, I had the lecture going, and I was walking as wide a periphery as I could. However, the song I recognized, it was from the 19, uh, six, late 1960s or something like that, and all of a sudden, I was going like, body, stop it. And because I had this, it was coming out. There was a memory of that song, where I was, what it felt like, and everything like that. And all of a sudden, it was, I was having this fight with, like, I got, I'm listening to a lecture, but I was being dragged in another direction. This feeling that came over my whole body, and I was thinking, it's that one song. It reminded me of a whole era. Sometimes people ask this question, what good is... Uh, karmic reaction if you don't remember. We do remember. We remember everything. The kind of visceral reactions we have to things in this world is memory. That's, a, that's one of the strongest kinds of memories that we have is the way we react to the stimuli that we encounter within this world. And I've, I felt it. And I could watch right in front of my eyes body, mind, memories from the past song. And the whole era was... In that song, the, the sound vibration awoke a samskar in me. And then I had this clear choice, listen to this or get absorbed. Should I go to the concert? <laughs> and we have that all the time as we're walking through the world until the sound vibration of the spiritual world becomes more compelling to us. We have more samskars on that side. I remember the first time that I heard the Bhagavatam that it affected me. It was in the San Francisco temple, which was uh, on Valencia Street in the Mission District. It was a beautiful white temple room because that had been the place in which the um, previous owners, the, the, it was a business, and the business it was was a, a funeral parlor. So the downstairs hall was very beautiful because of course they had to show the bodies there and the caskets really nice and then the embalmed bodies, which were embalmed upstairs, the place we use for our kitchen. And uh, <laughs> uh, we, but the bodies I had to be shown there. But when the devotees moved in, of course, we used copious amounts of cow dung everywhere and uh, cleaned the temple up and down and chanted Hare Krishna and blue conch shells and everything. It was like, okay, move in. There were still a few ghosts in the basement. <laughs> but it was beautiful. And we had the, the artwork like this on the walls, but... It, in the contrast to the, the whiteness of the walls, everything white and skylights, where you could see the San Francisco sun would come in, floor white, walls white, everything. Deities, beautiful. When I first came into Krishna consciousness, I had read Bhagavad Gita. I, I was 
mad after the philosophy. But the pastimes, the stories, I remember looking at a Bhagavatam and going, what are all these stories? Where's the philosophy, you know? And then I was listening one day, a mandatory class, you know, you're in the ashram, you come to Bhagavatam class. And every day I'd come and I'd listen and uh, interesting, interesting. But then one day I realized that I was attracted to it. And it was a topic about Krishna entering Dwarka and how the queens who had missed him so much were worshiping his feet and they couldn't quit those lotus feet. It was a phrase, just one phrase about they couldn't quit. And I thought, wow, God has lotus feet. He's actually a person. It just occurred to me in the assembly of devotees that God's a person. Never, although I had read it, I'd seen it, it's kind of what attracted me to come to the Christian consciousness. I never felt it before, but I felt it in the assembly of devotees and that left an impression that didn't go away. And as we uh, move about the assembly of devotees in various places, you might go to a place where you're sitting with devotees and hearing, or you're serving in a certain way, and you, you have an experience that's undeniable. You feel that, oh yes, I just uh, was uh, visited by the spiritual energy. It came into my heart. It came into my mind. I felt something and as we accumulate those, they start to override the previous impressions that I have. I get addicted to the three modes of material nature. I want the different combinations and permutations, and that's my eternal occupation, is trying to find the right combination of the modes. This is a nice taste, but it needs a little more of this or that. And then it goes into the mode of ignorance. Like, I want to ferment it now. Let's ferment. Let's try it with some, something. Uh, pour alcohol in it. That'll make it taste better. And then I'll have a better experience. And so forth. Everyone's mixing everything. And it's all just the same three modes of material nature. And that's the taste. And that's the eternal occupation of the jiva, is try to taste something from the three modes of material nature. However, it gets uh, flipped over by the Bhagavatam. That's what exactly. Viplavo means like a boat that gets flipped. And your whole world turns upside down, literally. And actually, it gets turned right side up. We're upside down here. We're, t- we're looking at the wrong end, the reflection. But then the Bhagavatam brings in the vibration. So... You, you actually, wow, there's variety and there's taste in it and it tasted good. You can't explain it necessarily philosophically, but you feel it and you, you, you take it into your heart. And if somebody says, are you with these people? And saying, I'm with these people. Because you felt it. You know that it's real and, and you experience it first in your heart. So this is the beginning of taste. So after Roma Harshan is removed, Sutta Goswami is installed, and the proper way to invite a, a, a spiritual personality is that the elder member of the assembly should uh, glorify the person and introduce that this is who this is. So they begin to glorify Sutta Goswami in that assembly and say that he's learned all of the essence, essential aspects of the, of the Vedas and Puranas because of his submission, his gentle mood, and his, uh, his gurus have all blessed him. So now he's self-effulgent with his uh, spiritual acumen and enthusiasm, and therefore he's sitting before us to, to teach. 
And as they're introducing him, they say, Vayam tu navratriyama uttama shloka vikrame yachinvatam rasagyanam svadu svadu pade pade. So this verse is quoted again and again to indicate the, the awakening of taste. And let, let's look at the verse. So first, vayam. This is uh, rishai uchu. The rishis are saying, that's where you want to be with a bunch of rishis. So they're saying, vayam tu, but na, not. Vitrpyama uh, shall be at rest. Uttama shloka. Krishna is known as Uttama shloka because he's glorified only with the, the choicest prayers and they have to be done by the right person in the right mood. Otherwise, it becomes a disturbance in society. You find in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela that the, uh, the devotees found this poet and the poet had written some uh, um, stanzas about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and about Lord Jagannath and everyone was wild about it and they said, oh, this is, he's amazing. What an amazing poet. Let's bring him and he can recite it to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But uh, Surup Damodar was the guardian. You had to go through him to come to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So uh, they said, we want to recite this have him recite to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, and Surabh Dhamma said, not a good idea. Don't have him come in. He said, please, please, it's so good, it's so good. All right, read it to me, and I'll decide. So the poet read his poetry, and Surabh Dhamma said, this is offensive. You've made an offense. You've equated the Supreme Personality of God, Lord Chaitanya, with an ordinary living entity. You've transposed everything. You've transgressed the rasa, and it is therefore objectionable and is disturbing. And if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard something like that, it would disturb his mood, and also it would bring him uh, a pain to hear such a thing. You see how refined the tune has to be in the company, that it has to be correct. It's in disciplic succession. We know that with devotees who are trained in the parampara, in the tradition, if we're sitting... Uh, listening, and then all of a sudden somebody says something that's even slightly questionable. Everyone's going, wait a minute, where is that? Where did you, Pr Prabhu, where did you find that? <laughs> Where's that from again? <laughs> and if somebody who's outside the tradition just by a little bit says something that becomes, uh, that is obviously we know is off, then everyone's kind of like, you know, um, where's the kusha straw? That's how refined the environment is with the, with the devotees who are listening and the devotees who are teaching. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a cause for a celebration. It's a festival when you actually find the right speaker and the person who knows Uttama Shloka, that the, the words have to be perfect. Of course, perfection's not necessarily in the syllabary. It, it's, it's in the intention that's behind it. Uh, the person has to have the right mood when they're speaking. However, uh, Uttama Shloka means that the, the best of composers who are in the right mood have put these verses together. So that's why he's called Uttama Shloka. Vikrame, adventures. So this is important too because we need adventure. And we need to hear about uh, the greatest heroes and heroines going off for adventures. The Typical movie follows one scenario. It's called the, the hero's journey. 
in the hero's journey, which you'll find in Star Wars, which is a ripoff from the Ramayana, actually, a direct ripoff, uh, not um, you know, even veiled. It's uh, person by person. Chewie is uh, one of the, you know, the bears. You know, that's from the, um, right, the Ramayana, the, the bear-like, yeah, Jamavan and so forth. Uh, they're all there, all the characters and stuff. Why did I bring that up? Um, I started thinking about the story, and I, yeah, the hero's adventure, so, you know, he, rags to riches, Ram, Lakshman, Sita go in the forest, they're stripped of everything, and then, you know, one by one, the, all the people gather around them, and they, they rise to the occasion, and then they come back uh, riding on a uh, celebration chariot, celebratory chariot, and everyone's glorifying and yay you know that's how every movie right at the end uh, you know the lame kid he throws a strike and the crowd goes wild and it pans the audience and <laughs> that's what everybody wants and so <laughs> uh, vikrame vikrame means you want that you get the real thing with krishna how he comes out as a boar out of the nostril of Brahma. Brahma's sitting there. I mean, Krishna's funny, too. He's, Brahma's sitting there, God, how am I going to manage this temple? And, and all of a sudden, you know, what is that? <laughs> it's a pig, and he's flying through the air. And, and all the sages, Sastra, Shirsha, Purushaha, it's God as a pig. And, you know, so then he shakes his back, and all the kusha grass in the world comes up, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. What a story. And then he, you know, has this, uh, you know, cage fight with uh, Hiranyaka. And, you know, they're fighting off and throwing and, you know, challenging. You ought to, ah, I told you. And next thing, you know, bang, he, he kills him dead right there in the cage. And, and everything, ah. So, you know, all of that is there. And then afterwards, the family's uh, disconsolate. So Hiranyakashipu comes and he consoles them and he tells them Atmatatvagyan. And everything that everyone's looking for is there, Vikrame, in the adventures of Krishna. Just nobody knows it. They don't, they don't know about uh, how adventurous Krishna is and that the original hero story comes from uh, Krishna. So, yatwich shrinvatam, by continuous hearing, rasa, humor. So this is the rasa, or the taste that we're looking for. And when you're eating, you have to have some uh, taste. You can't digest food that you don't like. Did you know that? You ever notice? It's actually, there are scientific studies that show, you, you just like, I can eat raw food now. And then you're like, I'm really not looking forward to it. Your body doesn't get any nourishment. Did you know that? Because the body... It starts to digest, according to Ayurveda, in your mind. You see, you know, it's like the table set, it's all clean. It's like, hey, I can sit there. And then it's like, well, who are the people serving? Yeah, okay, I like these people, I can do that. I can do this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they bring the plate, everything's set up right, not too much, not too little, all the right things, and like, okay, I'm into this. And then, you know, it's like, right flavors, it's cooked right, and right, you know, then it's like, ah, oh, I'm nourished, I'm happy, everything's fine. But if it's, if it's objectionable, you know, you, you see, a, you know, like, oh, well, there was a fly in there, but you don't want to tell the host because, like, they'll freak out. And but you're like, no, I'm not really hungry. Uh, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, we're very sensitive. 
And it's, it's difficult for us to, to take nourishment and what to speak of digest it unless, it, unless it's uh, correct. So rasa is a specific kind of way of uh, nourishment, spiritual nourishment. We have to have it as souls. In the material world, we don't get it at all. It's a perverted rasa. It's the modes of material nature mixed together. It's fake. It's like drinking poison that has a little flavor in it. You think, this is nice, but then it kills you. But spiritual rasa is created by the uh, assemblage of devotees and the hearing of Krishna's pastimes in the right mood and chanting about him in the right mood. And when you have that, you can get rasa. And rasa takes you above the three modes of material nature. You can rise above it. So in the Gita, Krishna says, Vishaya vinivartante niraharase dehina. Rasavarjam rasopyasya You have to taste this, he says, for yourself. You get the rasa. If you have that little taste, you have an experience. Even if it's one time, you have it. You're walking around uh, Govardhan Hill and you take one step and you go, uh-oh, some, I just felt something. Uh, you know, and and then suddenly it's like, yeah, I had my, my own experience. It was it was something that changed me. And then you know, you have you have some uh, experience that's higher than the mixing and matching of the modes of material nature to find your happiness in life. So rasa, the humor, has to be there. Jnanam, those who are conversant with rasa, they, this is what devotees are. They, they're, they're not uh, one-dimensional. Those who uh, study uh, jnana yoga and they're addicted to the idea of the impersonal Brahman because they haven't taken the trouble to serve pure devotees. And therefore, the, the, as f the furthest reach of their intellect is to come to this idea that uh, God is... Uh, the opposite of the material world, which means this idea of Brahman. And so they don't know rasa. And then there are the Paramatmavadis. The, the rasa is very, very limited. But the devotees, itam satam brahma sukhana buddhya dasyam gatanam paradevdhena mayashitanam naradarakena sat this is a, a, an exclamation by Shukadev. He's saying, as he's describing the pastimes of Krishna with his devotees in Vrindavan, it's already established by this time that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the source of Brahman and Paramatma. So he says, okay, look how this is. People who have only studied and associated with those who understand the, uh, God to be Brahman. Uh, they see everything in relationship to Brahman, and they see God as, the, as Brahman. And then those who have been in the mood of uh, Dwarka, like this morning, um, Radhavinkat Prabhu sent me a pristine copy of the uh, Vishnu Sahasranam Stotra, and I couldn't resist. I had to listen to the whole thing. That's another samskar, remembering from the old days of Brahmachari. Um, and just listening to that, chanting the Vishnu Sahasranam, and I was like, I'm in Vaikuntha, I, you know, and that's a, the Vaikuntha uh, people, you know, they get attracted to Vaikuntha, and they, they want to be there, says the verse, and then that's how they see God, and then comes the, the 
uh, materialists. They're in the material world, and when you talk about Krishna, they go, yeah, right, he's just like one of us. And they just think it's all mundane. They can't get any rasa from that. They have no knowledge. They have no association. But then the devotees, sakamvrja ru krita punya punja, because they've got this, uh, this uh, sukriti, this bhakti unmukhi sukriti from association with pure devotees, they have the fortune to know what is Krishna, what is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and now these boys are playing with him as if they were equals. And the devotees who know what that is, they enter into that rasa, especially we sing Dhammadar Ashtakam, and there's this sense like there's nothing sweeter than this, uh, knowing Krishna's baby pastimes, you know, crawling in the mud. He's got cow dung all over him. He's holding on the tail of a cow, and the devotees are swooning because they don't think, oh yeah, that's just a cute kid. They know that's Brahman. He's crawling in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj, acting like a little baby. So they have that humor, and it's beyond uh, the other levels of self-realization uh, by millions of miles. Svadu, svadu, pade, pade. So this is the key part of the verse in which there's a sort of exclamation of taste, which is svadu, Swadu, it's so nice. I like it too much. Like if you, somebody gives you a preparation, it's so nice. He's like, this should be illegal. It's too good. Call the police. Like, don't give me this anymore. It'll drive me crazy. You know, sometimes devotees, they're so expert. They give you a preparation. You're like, I can't eat this anymore. I'll go nuts. And so that's the mood. Swadu, swadu, but it's too good. And then pade, pade, every step. Whatever, and it keeps getting better. So this is the taste that, and this is just the warm-up. This is the warm-up at Naimasharanya that they're, they're anticipatory. Like people go into a movie theater and go, I can't wait to see this movie. Oh, you hear the car chase and everything that's coming up, you know, and then they the popcorn and they're like, oh. And here at Naimasharanya, you know, the, 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 this is the real thing. The real movie is opening up. And uh, this is going, this is so nice just thinking about it. Just that you're here, we're about to talk about it, and they haven't even started yet. That's how good it is. And so that's what has to come into the life of a living entity in the material world. Otherwise, they stay here because there's no choice. There's no alternative. So the, the system that our acharyas have given and Srila Prabhupada so expertly has enacted all over the world is an opportunity to enter into this mood of, of rasa. And not in an artificial way, not like, oh, I'm relishing now. But it starts with understanding uh, spiritual discipline with vacho vegam, manasakrota vegam, and how to interact with devotees, which is the next verse from Upadesha Amrita. Huh? What's the next one? How to associate with devotees. No, don't tell them. Dadati Pratikarnath. Yeah, interacting with devotees and uh, learning how to uh, practice uh, the methods of the great souls in regulation. Prabhupada says about this Vaidhi Bhakti in the beginning. He said, like a typing book, you need it when you're learning to type. You look at it, and he's like, this finger goes here, that one goes there, and you have to follow the book. And, but after a while, you're just like, how are you doing that? I have no idea. I just do it. So in a similar way, we start off 
what we're following in ISKCON is Raga Nuga Bhakti. It's Raga Nuga Bhakti, but it's done uh, in, a, in a regulated form before we have taste. But we're still following Raga Nuga Bhakti. But it's before we have taste, we follow it in a regular way. And because of our proximity to the various activities that I just mentioned, some of them, that naturally will start to develop a, an attraction for the topics, for the services, for the associations, and so forth. And when we're able to overcome the five obstacles to nishta, which have to do with my innate uh, tendencies to enjoy the material world, the, the senses which are out of control, the tendency to want to enter into nothingness and just look at a screen and not be anywhere and not be interested in Krishna Kata, the mind just goes into a, a neutral mode, or um, sleep, or um, distraction. These are the five obstacles. As we practice and we're able to overcome these five obstacles, then we come to a steadiness in devotional service. Then we're, we're partway there. The next step is ruchi. Because as we continue on the platform of steadiness, then we'll start getting a positive uh, influx of taste. I didn't like that phrase. We'll start getting taste. And... Uh, from, from that, we start to pull away from the material world altogether. We have the wherewithal to always come back to Krishna consciousness, even though we are absorbed otherwise. It's not that we get uh, pulled away permanently by our worldly duties and attractions. And then finally, we, not finally, but next we come to asakti, which means that we're so fixed on Krishna consciousness and and a, a serving and appreciating that taste of serving Krishna by hearing and chanting and distributing and so forth, that it's hard for us to pay attention to the material world at all. In other words, we have to drag ourselves away from that in order to keep our eye on the road uh, as far as our life goes. And then, of course, comes bhava, when the heart actually is touched by the internal energy from the spiritual world, where the pastimes start to awaken, the rasa is actually there within the heart so that the person's always enjoying it in their heart, in his or her heart, enjoying it. This is awakened by the process of uh, bhakti that we're practicing here in ISKCON. And then finally, prema. Prema comes uh, to, uh, as the, the crown jewel. Prema pumarto mahan, the ultimate goal of life is to attain this prema. So we should try for nishta, and we should uh, be in every circumstance that we can to get this uh, rasa, or this taste, because we need it. We have to have it to survive, at least enough to wet your beak. Get enough to wet your beak. If you can wet your beak, and you're just like, I got a little something, I know it's there, then your faith can become stronger and stronger because it's not somebody can tell you this, that, the other thing, but you're like, no, wait a minute, I tasted it for myself. And then from there, we can make further advancement and actually come to the, the, uh, the higher positions in devotional service. Om Tat Sat. Hare Krishna. And now we'll take some reflections or questions, and we would like to honor any of those who are online. We'd like to see you too, in case there is anybody on Zoom, are you still connected? 
So if there's anybody from the Facebook or from online who's put up questions, we'll uh, be attentive to those. Because we love you so much. And we don't forget where we came from. <laughs> Anything? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. I have uh, one question. Thank you for such inspiring. Is that Shamrupa? The Shamrupa? Hare Krishna. Go ahead, Prabhu. Uh, one, yeah, one more time, such an inspiring lecture. So I had one question that uh, we see this uh, story of Rome Harshan and also in Lord Chaitanya's Lila, uh, we have Devananda Pandit story who was reciting Bhagavatam, but actually missed the essence. So uh, my question to you, Maharaj, is that uh, the Bhagavatam, when we hear, it's supposed to, um, and we are, we are supposed to purify us, uh, and we are supposed to develop attraction for the lordships and the holy name and the Vaishnavas. Uh, Rumaharsan seems like uh, with all the sages, even Devananda Pandit was in Navadip. So, what, what is it that went wrong? What are the factors that can pull us away? from missing the essence and what are the factors that can help us to actually catch the essence thank you for such an important question that's related to the topic let me answer it in the positive side prithu maharaj in his prayers to the lord says that it's such a wonderful thing a phenomenon that those who already have a taste for krishna consciousness they have what I call spiritual integrity. Spiritual integrity means you're actually following the process. If you're doing that, you'll get this sense that um, I'm okay. No matter what else is happening, I'm okay because I know what to do. I can handle this. And not only that, you have confidence in your realization because you know you're following the process. And you, it's not that you become proud. And it's not that you become condescending, but it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sense of spiritual self-esteem because you know that I'm doing, the, I'm, I'm doing my level best. And so uh, that's the beginning. When somebody like that speaks, you'll notice a difference between that and somebody who's merely um, academically presenting the process. Like somebody can be a, a, a learned professor but is not following the process and then is giving the knowledge and there's a difference. And what is the difference? Pritamara says, okay, so if somebody is, he's saying, uh, already has this rasa, this experience, and they're inexplicably attracted to the, the, the holy name and have developed this prema in their heart. When they speak, the sound vibration that comes from their mouth touches Krishna's lotus feet. And on Krishna's lotus feet, there is saffron, and his lotus feet are anointed with saffron. Like when you worship the deity, uh, everything smells good. You've got chatushama, you've got the uh, sandalwood paste. You know how to make sandalwood paste? You take a grinding stone, you get a, a block of sandalwood, you put a little um, natural, 
gulab, this uh, rose water. You can get the, you know, the really good stuff. You put that on there. Talk about aromatherapy. When you're making stuff for Krishna, you're like... <laughs> and, and then you put a tiny little bit of saffron. Not too much or everything comes out red. Just a hint. Saffron always just a little hint. And it's not a good idea to use it for uh, first grain ceremonies. We found out the other day, babies don't like saffron. It's too, it's an acquired taste. Um, okay, so <laughs> there's extra, extra tip. So, the, so then the, you put a little camphor, natural camphor, edible camphor. I was shopping around for it in Lowy Bazaar. I went in one of the shops and you know, said, edible camphor. I said, how do I know? And he goes, <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> so you get edible camphor and, <laughs> and a little saffron, a, a little water, and then you grind it. And it comes out this paste. Who has that stuff? Intel? Google? How about uh, Salesforce? They got clink, 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 And, you know, like, it's like, where's the rasa? But Krishna, you get this, you know, sandal paste and saffron, and it's like, dab, dab, take the best flower, dab it on his lotus feet, put a tulsi leaf in, and like, are you okay? I think so, I'm, I'm all right now. Uh, you know, and so when the pure devotee speaks, the sound vibration goes, it touches Krishna's lotus feet, it dislodges the saffron particles, and the sound vibration gets mixed with that. How do you know? Listen to it. See what happens to you. The part, and all of a sudden, you bring somebody into the room who doesn't know that much about it, or they're like, I'm not sure. And then they listen to somebody like that, and they go, okay. And you look at them, it's like, what happened to you? <laughs> what just happened to you? It's like, I don't know, but I'm in. They count me in. Why? Because the, the sound vibration from that person was different. It, it was mixed with the saffron particles. Saffron mercy particles that you don't get anywhere else except from the heart of a person who's got spiritual integrity and who's then developed this rasa in his or her heart, and then they speak. And, and then uh, the change takes place. So if somebody's academic and they're not really on that level, if they have some doubt about Krishna or some envy of Krishna, and then they speak, the vibration doesn't move the person. So that's why Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur had uh, created a diorama. And he was against these uh, people who, they become very expert. It's like you learn C++, you learn Bhagavatam. And so they would learn everything, and then they come out, and they know the, uh, all the ragas, they can sing all the tunes, but uh, behind the veil, they're thinking, rupee, rupee, rupee. There's some, what's in it for me, and I'm going to you know, take this and use it for sense gratification, the vibration changes. It, it do, is not, it's like there's Sita and Maya Sita. Who did Ravana get? Maya Sita. So I'm taking this for myself. And then quicko changeo. And next thing you know, you got the fake thing. So this is the, the direction that we're given from, from the Shastra. It, it's a it's a tune that comes from the spiritual world, and you can't fake that. You actually have to have it. You can't imitate it. It has to come from the heart. So 
the Shastra says, what is my verse? Some pundit? Tell me. The verse I'm thinking can only be spoken by, by Vaishnav. Vaishnava, Vaishnava Bukund, thank you. Vaishnava Bukund Grinam, Sutam Harikatam Ritam. What is it? Shravanam Naivakartavyam Sarpo Chishta Yatapaya. So this verse says that uh, if you take a milk that's already been tasted by a little snake, you know, you put out a little bowl of milk, snake comes along, helps himself, and then you come in and dum dum and you know, it's like yuck. It's poison. And so same thing if somebody has an ill intent and they're speaking of Bhagavatam, or they, they have envy of the Supreme Personality of God. They don't know how to stand up when God walks in or when the pure devotee walks in. They speak Bhagavatam, it's tainted. Don't listen to it, the Bhagavatam says. Ah, Vaishnava, Makun, Girnam, Putam, Harikatam, Ritam. You don't get the purification, the Putam, if, if it's not coming from the heart of a pure Vaishnava. That's why. Rupa Goswami says in the Upadesham Rita about association, verse. Yeah, but that, that says that don't associate with worldly minded people. Better give a mic so we know if we're actually saying the verse. Okay, go ahead. Srivats. Okay, and then Vaikuntha Nayaka. Go ahead, give us the verse quick. Um, it says, Sangat Yagat Sato Vritte, which is to, you should avoid bad association and associate with the devotees. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, in, it's guaranteed. If you listen to materialistic people, you hang around with them for a little while, hear a few words that they say, it goes right in. And then your, your ability to appreciate rasa uh, becomes diminished. It doesn't mean don't mix with the world. It just means don't keep an open channel. Be, be careful how you move about the world and uh, what you're listening to and what you're leaning into. And also be careful about whom you associate with unless it's official. You know, if you're going there because, oh, maybe I'll get something from this too. You will get something from it, but it, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you uh, attain the goal of life. That's for sure. Vaikuntha Nayaka Prabhu, please go ahead. Uh, I was hoping if you could uh, elaborate a bit on uh, uh, that Star Wars and Ramayan comparison. I thought uh, it will be a great way to attract people, uh, be it in books or in preaching, because Star Wars has got such a cult following and uh, they might be intrigued. So if you think it's appropriate, if you could just elaborate. I don't know much about Star Wars, but if you can do the comparison. Well, I hope that's not an indication that I do know. <laughs> However, I saw, a, I saw an excellent presentation by His Grace Yogeshwara Prabhu at a temple president's meeting in Houston, maybe five years ago. And uh, you know, he's a great scholar and a devotee, and he gave a one-to-one -one correlation with all the characters and explained how the hero's journey and how George Lucas had, uh, you know, taken the script basically from the Ramayana. When I said ripped off, it's not necessarily malicious. It's just like here's a great story. It's open source. Anybody can take it. But that's how we go. Yes, please, Rasa Sindhu. If a book by Rupa Goswami is 
by Satyaraj Prabhu. Oh, yeah. There's a book by Satyaraj Prabhu called Star Wars and the Jedi and the Blue Lotus. And he actually correlates Srila Prabhupada's teachings that how George Lucas, when he was living in Los Angeles, he actually met the devotees and started reading Oriental philosophy. So he gave Prabhupada's presentation and verses also. Thank you for letting us know that. And Satyaraj Prabhu, God brother of mine, one of the most uh, uh, good-hearted people I've ever met in my life. And he's a prolific writer. Nobody knows that much because I don't know if the marketing end of his books is that, but he usually goes and distributes himself, but he writes prolifically. Actually, he's had some really some commercial success in, in writing his books, but a better-hearted person you'll never meet um, than Satyaraj Prabhu. Highly recommend his books. Okay. One more online? Okay. One more on the board, and then we're coming to the live studio audience. Could those occasional visitations of the spiritual energy be called s spirits? Sportis, yes. Uh, the, the root of the word sporti uh, is spot, which means an explosion. And so uh, this is Atashi Krishna Namadi Nabhaved Graimindre Sevan Mukihijivado Swayameva Spuratyada. So there's a way in which the, there's a kind of sudden appearance of Krishna within the heart. A good example of this is with Narada Muni. When he was a child, he had had really good association because he was an exceptional child. And that's why you'll notice, if you read carefully in that section of the Bhagavatam, that the sages stayed longer than the rainy season. They liked the kids so much. They saw so much potential. They said, let's stay here. It's worth the investment. And then they left, and then by providence, the mother died, he was alone, and he had the wherewithal at a very young age to go off into the world and look at things and observe how Krishna's energies were working. After all, he didn't know much about that. He was five years old, he had lived at home with his mother, but he had, he had heard enough from the sages to have a practice and to be really inspired. And he went to a lone, lonely forest and he said, this is the place to find God in this forest. And he sat down and he started uh, doing his mantras and his meditations. And he had a spurti. And that spurti was a, a, such a profound experience that he had um, felt that every one of his senses was simultaneously uh, attracted to serving uh, Krishna's senses. They were running after him. And the taste was so high that uh, when he came out of that experience, it was like crashing down into the, the, the world of dull matter and feeling oneself, as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, shunyayatam jagatsarvam. The whole world feels void. There's nothing in this for me. It's horrible. And uh, he was then a sit straighter. Now I will really say my mantra, I want that back. And Krishna spoke to him in an unembodied voice and said, you know, you think you're a big yogi, you're sitting here in the forest, but that's not it. It's got to, it'll come. Take your time. Uh, you need to mature more. And then I've given you a taste, you know what to look for. That this is what you're going to get only all the time. 
So he became very motivated. So yes, the spurtis come uh, from by Krishna's arrangement. You get a free sample, and then you, you don't forget it. And this is mentioned by Narada himself when he says, uh oh, I need the verse. 1-5, I think it's 20. Or 21. Could somebody? It's about how you don't, once you have this taste, you don't forget it. Ever. So even if you fall down from the process of Krishna consciousness, 1-5 something, and then you go away, then uh, you still remember that taste over and over again. One, five, nineteen. How does it start? Navajano jato kata katanchana rajen mukunda sevan yavadang samsritim smaran mukundang grupaguhanam punar nivatma chai nabave nabav. <laughs> Sorry, that's the best line. Vihatamichen nabavaya. No. Vihatamichet narasa grahojana. See, there's the word again, rasa. And what is this word here? Rasa graho. Graho, again, is the word graha, right? So graha means to grab. So what happens? This person uh, falls down from Krishna consciousness. It goes like, I don't like this anymore, you know, like. Uh, devotee took my shoes and you know nobody likes me anyway and uh, you know I'm leaving and uh, like uh, I think sense gratification is better anyway I always thought that and you know I'm out of here and then they leave and, and then they go and the, then they get haunted they're haunted by the ghost of rasa so the ghost is coming Ooh. and rasa graha they keep getting pulled it's like oh god i remember that time you know and we sat down and we chanted japa and you know i was washing the pots afterwards we were so happy and you know and everyone's like, what are you doing here it's like i don't know but they they're grabbed by rasa because they felt it they've tasted it they got a sporty and they can't he says let's look at the translation he says my dear Vyas, even though a devotee of Lord Krishna sometimes falls down, somehow or other, he certainly does not undergo material existence like others, fruit of workers, etc. Because a person who has once relished the taste of the lotus feet of the Lord can do nothing but remember that ecstasy again and again. Okay, now to the live studio audience. I was just thinking about uh, Roma Harshna Sutta had a Prathilo marriage. Is that the reason that Sutta Goswami is called Sutta Goswami, right, Prabhu? Pardon? Roma Harshna yes. had a Prathilo marriage. Yes. And his son, Sutta Goswami, is called Sutta Goswami because of the Pratilo marriage? Oh, I suppose so. I, I, I'm not aware of that exact fact, but you can look it up. Okay. Yeah, and I was also thinking, Prabhu, uh, is it the reason Balram went off on pilgrimage because he didn't want the Kurukshetra war or, you know, Duryodhana fighting? Is, is that the reason, Prabhu, because we were mentioning... Well, there's always internal and external reasons why Krishna does anything, but that's stated in the Bhagavatam and also the Mahabharata, that's why he left. Yeah. He, yes. Yeah, so I was just thinking, Prabhu, why Duryodhana was... He was also attached to Duryodhana. So is, is that, uh, I mean, is that something that I just read or is it the true, Prabhu, that he was... Like Balaram was attached to Duryodhana and Duryodhana was attached to Balaram. I mean, that makes him a devotee in one sense, right? It makes what? Him a devotee, right? Duryodhana. It makes him a devotee? That, does it make him a devotee? Because he is attached to Balarama. 
It's, it's, it seems so, but that just shows you how complicated the world is. <laughs> how did Bhishma end up on the wrong side, you know? And how did, how did Duryodhana and Balaram have this affectionate relationship? You know, we see a lot of times, let's say, in our modern-day assembly of devotees, everyone's like, you know, this guy's not a devotee, that guy, this, that, blah, blah. You know, it got all this stuff is like, hey, this is complicated. Uh, <laughs> you know, how do you figure it all out? Sometimes you don't. Uh, you have to kind of just rise a little bit above it and appreciate that uh, things are complicated in this world. Uh, you had something to say, Ujjwala Rasa. Hi, Krishna Guru Maharaj. Maharaj, um, o- over the years of being in Krishna consciousness, having been in this process for so long, um, one of the thoughts that was in my mind, which I had to go through over the past year or two, was that... Um, we're initially trained not to connect to anything material because we still have to develop a taste for the spiritual flavors. And for that purpose, we avoid everything that's, that's not oriented towards Krishna consciousness. But at the end of the day, we are the samam bonam of all the flavors that have entered our lives. If we are able to make a comparison between Star Wars and the Bhagavatam, it's because we watched it at some time and now we understand it better in the context of spirituality. To deny who we are and where we came from, I think is, a, is not a great way to build our Krishna consciousness. To recognize who we are and where we came from, and then to understand what it truly means in a Krishna conscious way, helps you become a more balanced person. Because for me at one point when uh, I haven't developed the ruchi and I'm struggling, then like you talked about today, you lean back on those moments that bring you happiness. And then, you know, the door opens up and you don't know when you stepped in and when you walked in. But the taste for Krishna consciousness always pulls you back. And I was thinking about that a lot because as devotees, we don't seem to understand that much. My generation, the generations that's come in now when I see these children, I'm able to learn so much more from them because they live very balanced lives. They don't, you know, completely avoid everything and avoid all these material friends and so but they're able to stay Krishna conscious even though they're absorbing all these different information. They're able to convert it very nicely and take what they need and not absorb the other stuff. So it was a thought that I wanted to share and I wanted to hear from you if if it was right or wrong that you have to recognize who you are if you are to become what you want to be. And sometimes in Krishna consciousness we deny it. We deny our, our, our parenthood, we deny our upbringing, we deny our tastes in a sense that, oh, now I'm Krishna conscious. And sometimes it come back, comes back to bite you when you're down and out because you can't really recognize who you are at all because your Krishna consciousness hasn't built to the point where we can say, I have ruchi. Well, I wouldn't say it sometimes comes back to bite you. It always comes back to bite you because reality is reality. And ultimately, we have to deal with it. And there is a way in which... Um, at different phases of our life, we may have different levels of maturity and also different circumstances and, and, uh, that we are working with, and we have to associate uh, according to uh, you know, what we're given. However, the, um, uh, the, an important point is that anything done artificially won't have the result that we're looking for. And maturity isn't something that you can fake, and it's also not something that you can necessarily speed up. Time has an effect on everything, 
and when you play an instrument, it's like I know studying for tests. It's just like, I'll do it at the last minute. That doesn't work for me. You know, it hasn't had time to sink in. I know that I have to do it a little bit every day uh, for at least a week. I mean, it depends on the size of the test. But, you know, I have to do it every day and take a look, and I have to hear it from different angles and in different circumstances and make a, a, at least three or four times. What was that again? Can you say it again? I just said it. Say it again. Yeah, say it one more time. I forgot it. And then pretty soon something happens where it starts to, to lock in one's mind. And that happens throughout our life as well. Under different circumstances, we may present ourselves as being something we're not. This is mentioned by uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur in the Madhurya Kadambani. He said it's natural when new people come in and they're, they're beginning that they have utsahan mai. It means this overabundance of enthusiasm, like, I got this. It's like, you guys, you know, come on, hurry up. You know, it's like they just got there. It's like, wake up, wake up, everybody. And like, how come you're so tired? They don't know the person was, you know, on Harinam and they're also taking care of four kids and, you know, all these kinds of things. But they're like, you know, uh, I know this, you know, and I know all these verses. And, uh, you know, hey, I think I'm there already. This is Utsan Mai. It's kind of natural. Even when somebody starts learning the piano and they, they learn their first piece and then they go like, hey, I'm a maestro. Like, <laughs> so... After the various stages we go through, and then, for instance, sometimes when devotees fall down for one reason or another, they fall down from their practice because of a lack of faith or because they get attached to sense gratification and it was a lot stronger undertow than they had thought it would be. They thought, maybe I can dab a little, little bit and it'll be all right. Next thing is like, I can't let, you know, it won't let me go or I won't let it go. Something happened to me. And going through those experiences, Prabhupada says, in the light of the Bhagavad, sometimes become the pillar of success. And there is a, a point at which somebody has to become real and say, wait a minute, I just have to be who I am and actually practice Krishna consciousness. And I've seen it in uh, myself and others, uh, God brothers around me, over time, over time. There's a way in which those who have uh, had these kinds of experiences then get very real and say, I actually have to start over and be who I am. So I, I wouldn't say that it's a technique. It's, it's a kind of a natural uh, phenomena that happens to everybody in every kind of discipline, and you actually have to want to do it. It comes from within ourselves. It's not, um, it's not a game. It's not a plaything. Prabhupada says, in the light of the Bhagavad. Going back to Godhead, it's, it requires your heart and soul. You actually have to want to do this. And at any particular time, if you don't know that you want to do it, then Krishna's so kind, he can give reminders. Like, that's why Maya's there waiting. It's like, okay, come over here. <laughs> You're like, this? <laughs> is that, is that, that what you were looking for? It's like, not really. Uh, like, I think I, liked, I think I like the other idea better. And when we're fully convicted, then bahunam jamanamante, gyanavam mam prapadite, vasudeva sarvamiti sa It's not that Krishna's a thing, he's the thing. And when that conviction comes into the heart, then there's no more obstacles. And there's also a sense in which uh, devotees can be real and admit, you know, this is who I am, this is who I've been. It doesn't, uh, doesn't bother them because they're not falsely trying to project themselves as being something they're not. That's a good place to be in. It's not so easy. 
Because even amongst our friends, you know, we might think like, well, I'm not going to tell them that because, you know, that thing, you know, I'm going to keep to myself. And maybe in some cases that's a good idea. But still it shows how protective we are. But Krishna is so expert. He'll help us to spill the beans at some point and embarrass us. And then it's kind of like, all right, it's already out. I might as well just be like a bhakta. And, you know, and then now, okay, now you're getting somewhere. <laughs> now, now you can make advancement. <laughs> so it's, it's a helpful observation in how we guide people. You know, it, requ it requires expertise because everybody's on a different level. They need care and attention in different ways. And it's not such an easy demarcation to understand how much the ego is involved. And even some people don't know themselves. And we talked about young people growing up, they, they, at a certain point, they start observing and they go, is this me or is this the momentum of my life or whatever it is? And they come to a crossroads. Uh, everyone has to come to that point at some time and ask that question to know that they're doing it themselves. Om Tat Sat. Okay, there's one or two more. Rasa Sindhu Prabhu. And then, yes. And then Pavani Bhakti. We welcome Rasa Sindhu Prabhu, came all the way up from Southern California. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much, Guru Maharaj. Very appreciated. Uh, my question is, Guru Maharaj, I've previously heard from you that, uh, that we have to detach ourselves from the mind, actually, because the mind remains here. And I've also heard that uh, the samskaras remain in the mind always. And so they reappear. So does the mind ever get purified or? Yes. Cheto darpana marginum. The mind becomes uh, marginum. It's, it's cleansed. And it, uh, the samskars are overwritten, like in a computer program. You got one program and then you write over it. The other one falls apart somehow and the other new one takes over. So we, can, we write new samskars and they, they um, cleanse the mind and heart. And yes, then it's just like an iron rod. You put it in fire and it's no longer iron. It becomes fire. So the mind engaged. Manmana bhavamad bhakto. If you engage the mind in thinking always of Krishna, then the mind becomes spiritualized and it becomes purified of the previous samskars. I'm sorry, I interjected so quickly that it might have no, no. circuited your... No, that's all. Okay. Thank you, Bhavani Bhakti. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, Hare please Krishna. accept my most humble obeisances, sir. I want to ask, um, I really liked your explanation about the saffron particle and how uh, we get that feeling when a senior person comes who is more exalted. I was wondering also that, you know, when a very pure Vaishnava comes, like even through the temple and bows down in front of Prabhupada and deities, we feel very ecstatic and uh, like almost tears comes to our eyes and, you know, the goosebumps. I wanted to ask, what's more to it, like other than the saffron particle? You mentioned something about the life airs get higher when a higher personality comes. Can you help us explain that more? Well, uh, there's more to us than we know. I mean, you study the Ayurveda, you'll see there are different energy channels in our bodies, and we react to different circumstances in our life in various ways. There's a mind-body connection and there are 
descriptions in the Shastra about etiquette and the physical connection between, it's not mechanical, obviously, but there is a way in which uh, our life airs are affected by different circumstances in our life. For instance, if you see a, a gruesome accident or something like that, you might feel sticks to your stomach. Our heart reacts, actually, re modern research shows, before our brain reacts. There, there are as many nerve endings in our heart and so forth. And there are ways in which our, our body and our minds are going through a lot of things automatically that we're not even aware of. And when we're in a spiritual environment, th those things uh, were, were, that's why we use the word visceral. <laughs> I like that word. It means that there's a, a physical reaction that takes place to things that we're seeing around us. And so seeing a great saintly person, there's, there's a sense that we have when we, we see that person of the life airs rising up, or as described in the Shastra, that's actually happening. So you're supposed to stand up. Oftentimes we bow down, but the Shastra says, you see it, stand up. Then you can bow down, but that's the idea. Yes. So Guru Maharaj, because uh, we, are discuss we were discussing about Uttama Shloka, such a nice name for the Lord. So I just wanted to say that today morning before you arrived, we were we were like waiting for you. And then um, when the darshanarthi ended, and then Monisha she sang the um, Ujjwala Varana. Oh. And after that, uh, Shiva did Brahma Samhita, and then Gita Priya did uh, the Divinity wow. and Divine Sages. And uh, these kids, they are so well trained. At, you know, like even though we were like missing you and waiting for you, but they just you know took like held us throughout the time and. Uh, uh, I just felt, you know, very bright future for ISV because of these kids. They are so well trained by you, and this they sing chant just like you know your tunes and everything. So, I just see you're <laughs> making us all proud here. I felt the same thing when I walked in and I heard, hey, that's Divinity Divine Service, and I noticed how you all were leading it, that uh, I realized that that's, I mean, that is spiritual training. It's, you keep the transcendental vibration going. Always remember Krishna, never forget Krishna. How do you do that? And we have to have the ways and means to do that. And once you have that in your life, then you're wealthy. Because if that's your habit, that, you know, okay, let's sit down, let's watch TV, no? Let's sit down, let's uh, chitter-chatter. No, let's do some shlokas. Chitter-chatter later, and later never comes oftentimes. So that's a, that's a way to get through one whole lifetime and actually go back to Godhead. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you so much for a beautiful class. Maharaj, I was thinking about two pastimes. One is uh, Roma Harsha being destroyed or being killed by Lord Balaram. And the second pastime, which is collateral, is in Chaitanya Charita Amrit, when Meena Ketana Ramadas, he's actually, he's in the Avesha of Nityananda Prabhu, and Gunarava Khan does not offer respects to him, he's worshipping the deities. And of course, Meena Ketana Ram is little agitated, he's not angry enough, and Gunarava Khan is still considered a great devotee because he continued and he did not also get angry. So how do we compare and contrast these two situations where uh, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is being disrespected in a way and it's a, such, a, such a drastic action, whereas 
worshiping the deities. Well, Kaviraj Goswami's brother has mentioned that, that he fell down after that incident. Yeah, that's the second one, Maharaj. Like in that chapter, Gunarava Khan, uh, Gunarava Mishra, he's worshipping the deities. Yeah. And Meena Ketan Ramdas is sitting in front and he's in the Avesha. And he does not fall down. But actually the brother of uh, Krish, uh, Kaviraj Krishnadas Goswami, he falls down because he's actually chastising uh, and he's saying bad things about Meena Ketan Ramdas. Right. So I was just curious that at that point of time, Gunarava Khan, he is not falling down. It's the brother of Kaviraj Krishnadas Goswami that's falling down. So, but the only thing that was mentioned here is that he did not get angry uh, because he was worshipping the deities. So I was just trying to understand that, as you mentioned, there are two reasons that when Guru is there and uh, when the Supreme Personality of God is there, you have to get up of the Vyasasana. And Gunarava Mishra is, at that time, he's just worshipping the deities. So he, is there a, is that the reason that he didn't... Well, it means, you know, stay busy. Don't get involved. In fact, it's mentioned in the... <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to get involved when you take responsibility, which is really difficult. But the, the Chaitanya Bhagavat mentions that, you know, when great Vaish when Vaishnavas are arguing, you shouldn't take sides. But that doesn't apply here necessarily because the, there's, the, there was an actual offense that took place. And the, it just shows also that it's a very individual it has a lot to do with what's in the heart. To make an, an aparadha requires some misconception that leads to ma malice in some way that you're expressing. The other kinds of aparadhas that are non-malicious are uh, easily overcome, but when there's a malicious intent, especially against devotees, then it becomes pronounced and uh, difficult to overcome. So in any in that situation, there's a way in which everyone might have had a different mindset um, because Kaviraj Goswami's brother was so into it. And, you know, there was some sense that of indignation and that caused, you know, a greater offense in that situation. Thank you, Maharaj. I think the point that you mentioned about spiritual integrity, or it's between you and Krishna also, the sincerity, I think that applies here. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Okay, thank you for the excellent question. Prabhu? Thank you. <clears throat> thank you very much, Maharaj, for such a wonderful and nectarian class. Uh, I have one question. Uh, Shamaru Prabhu asked, and Pavani Bhakti Mataj also touched upon that point. Um, you quoted the verse about the snake uh, drinking the poison. Many times when we, when I speak Krishna Katha, I feel like that snake. Uh, because I, I know in my heart that I, ha I still have enviousness towards Krishna most of the times. Maybe not in an assembly, but otherwise the tendencies to enjoy matter, all of these still exist within our heart. And you mentioned as long as we are doing our best, it's, it's good, we can continue. Um, and for our own purification, we want to be engaged in speaking Krishna Katha and hearing Krishna Katha. Uh, but when I ask myself that question about, am I doing my best? The answer most of the time is no. So how do I continue uh, speaking Krishna Katha uh, while also knowing that I am not doing my best? Thank you. Well, doing one's best, uh, it, that's a very general phrase. And how does one interpret it? Krishna's opinion, Apichet Sudaracharo Bhajate Mamananya Bhag, Sadureva Samantavya Samyag Vyavasitohisa, 
if one is properly situated. Properly situated means your intent is correct. You may recognize that I'm not where I want to be. I may feel fallen. In fact, paradoxically, there's a way in which the more one advances, the more one feels I'm unqualified. This is uh, mentioned by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he teaches the symptoms of bhava to Sanat and Goswami and said this is paradoxical, that the more qualified somebody comes, the more they feel like I'm, I'm the most unqualified person there, there is. Look at Kaviraj Goswami. He says, anybody hears my name, they're, they're going to lose all their pious credits. He says, I'm lower than a worm in the stool. And, you know, that's a, it's not just a, a humorous proclamation, but he actually feels that way because of dainya, or extreme humility. So what it means to do one's best is to be properly situated in Krishna consciousness, which means that my determination is that someday I'll become a, uh, qualified to follow in the footsteps of the pure devotees. And we have no choice. We have to go on with our service even when we feel unqualified, as evidenced by the verse, jata shraddha makkatasu nirvina sarvakarmasu veda dukat makankamam paritya pranishvara tatoba jetamam prita shraddha lorjanishchaya jushamanam satankamams duko darkams tagaryan Krishna recognizes that a devotee sometimes is in a position <laughs> when he or she feels that um, I know what to do, I know what not to do, but I, I can't do it. Pyanishwara means I don't have the power to do it yet. And then Krishna says, just keep doing it. Because what you're doing is very dear to me, you're very dear to me, and you can have a little remorse for it, but not so much that you quit. You have to keep going. Otherwise, how are you going to become purified? So one of the reasons that when, for instance, we speak, we take shelter of the previous acharyas, because like, I'm not doing this, I'm not qualified, I'm just speaking on their behalf. I'm doing this for my own purification. Prabhupada mentions when you write something, don't think, I'm going to become a famous author, everyone will know me. Uh, just write, just, I'm trying to purify myself in any service. That's why we always talk about with book distribution, don't go out because you want to be number one or the... the you want to lord it over others. I'm so smart, I can make somebody take a book. Uh, you may be, but that's not the, uh, that's not the purpose. The purpose is self-purification. I'm going out as a humble servant of the servant, and I'm going to go for purification. So in any circumstance, you have to uh, do that. And one of the best ways is to practice of teaching Krishna consciousness to others in a humble way. And then when you do that, even if somebody is uh, a very, has a very rudimentary understanding of Krishna consciousness, even in that state, you don't have to be you know, the Paramahamsa uh, Bhagavat devotee uh, in order to have that effect on people. If you're a very simple, even new devotee, but your mood is, I'm following what was taught to me by my guru, and I have full faith. In, in the Shastras. And such a person teaches, you know, Sarva Dharma Prajaja. Everyone goes, Yeah, look at that person. He's surrendering and he just walked off the street. And everyone gets affected by that too. Krishna consciousness is conducted through the sincere and surrendered heart of a devotee. And it doesn't matter if you're a neophyte or not, it'll still conduct through that process. That's why we always have to realign ourselves that it's not me. I'm just a, I'm just a peon. 
Prabhupada said, my power comes from being a carrier. I don't take any credit. I give all credit to my Guru Maharaj. When we, I was with Keshav Bharti Maharaj, we met Prabhupada in San Francisco. So uh, the temple president was in, introducing us all at a darshan. And so uh, Bhaktadas said this is, that he was our temple president. He said, here's Keshav Bharti um, Das. And and he uh, and uh, Prabhupada appreciated the 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 service that he was doing and and Keshav Bharti uh, said it's all your mercy Prabhupada and Prabhupada hit the table he goes it is not and everyone was like what especially Keshav Bharti was like what did I do I made an offense <laughs> and he said it is the mercy of my Guru Maharaj. He was so strong at that point. It, it, the devotee doesn't, you know, he keeps that idea that I'm doing this, I'm great. You know, my kirtan is like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know, it's, it's a, if somebody pure-hearted with a, you know, that's why Srila Bhaktisiddhanta sometimes would, would pick a, a person who couldn't sing. They say, you sing because, you know, simple brahmachari rakes leaves, you know, you sing Hare Krishna. To prove the point, it's not about you know this whole thing. It's it's really it's it. What comes through is the sincere endeavor, the sincerity of the heart of the devotee, and the humility. So on that basis, you know we, we have to stand up and and preach. It's the order of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and whatever level he gives you, you have to take it. That's why Srila Bhakti Sanantan as Vyasa Puja said, "What am I, an animal in the zoo?" I'm sitting up here in front of everybody, speaking, taking, uh, uh, taking the, the praises of others. So, so people, what am I, some kind of beast to be able to do this? He said, no. This is the order of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that you become guru. So whatever level of guru you happen to be at right now, and everybody has some responsibility to take that, uh, uh, wherever you are, to take that responsibility, you're following Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And if that's your mood, then it becomes successful. And the second that you don't have that mood, then everything becomes spoiled. And you have to rectify. Otherwise, it's something else. There's, you're not carrying the, the vibration in the proper way. So it's a science, and you have to tune into it in order for it to work. And part of our, uh, when we fall down from it, and we realize I was singing the wrong tune. I wasn't, uh, I was, I wasn't carrying it. I was thinking, like, yeah, this is me. But that's why we do it uh, and fail, and then we refine. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us from various places from the round, around the world. Thank you for coming all the way out from North Carolina to visit us uh, here at ISV. We're glad to see you back. And uh, Domi, thank you for visiting us, I think, for the first time, right? Welcome. Thank you. You Chan. <laughs> now we're going to have uh, Guru Puja. You didn't have it right. We'll have Guru Puja, followed by Prasadam for everybody in San Mateo, Santa Clara, San Francisco counties. Anybody who wants to eat, please come down. Thank you, everyone who's joined us online. Prema Premi.
Thank you very much. Hare Krishna, everybody. Vanchakop the Rusha, Kripas in the Bay, Vicha, Patitanam, Pavani, Bio, Vaishnava, Bio, Namona, Mahananta, Koti, Vaishnava, Nikijai, Subhadra, Kijai, Hare Krishna. Thank you.